0: Devotion for the Dying Mary's Call to Her Loving Children by Venerable Mother Mary Potter Continuing Chapter 3 It is good when we feel God's love poured out upon us and we have a brighter view, though the brightest view of Him on earth is dim, and as His incomprehensible beauty dawns clearer upon our minds, then it is good to come away from that Mount of Tabor to which God in His goodness took us with a resolution of following jesus along the way of the cross it is good to grieve over those who do not know the good the infinitely good god over those too who have known but have forgotten him over those who are so very near and yet so very far from him sinners dying in sin dying and so near losing him not for the brief space that we call time but for that vast futurity, unapproachable for the human mind to enter into and to understand while on earth. Souls are dying and losing God for eternity. Eternity. You read the words. You cannot comprehend them. But let fall the book you hold. It falls, the leaves close, and you distinguish no more what is written. It was done in an instant, and that instant is an image to bring before your mind how the whole volume of time, from the creation to the day of doom, is but as a book that has fallen in the midst of eternity. Natural feeling, we might think, would prompt people to help their fellow creatures who are in such great need of help, who are in such fearful danger of losing eternal life. How often we hear of heroic deeds done by men, women, and even children to save the life of the body. Only the body, the mortal life, which sometime or other must die. A man will jump into the water at risk to himself to save a drowning person. A woman will throw herself between a couple of combatants and receive the blow or wound that the one intended for the other. A child will venture to enter into a burning hut not once or twice, but even thrice, to rescue from the flames its little brothers and sisters. Natural feeling prompts these heroic acts in many cases. Should not supernatural feeling prompt heroic supernatural acts for immortal souls in danger of eternal death? And yet, take it to heart and ask yourselves, how many times in your lives have you heard it said, so-and-so has met with a bad accident, and is not expected to live. You know the person to be thoroughly worldly, utterly unprepared to appear before God. And you, what did you do? Did you besiege heaven with your prayers that that soul might be saved even at that eleventh hour? Did you lovingly complain to your Lord, "Oh Jesus, you died for that soul. Will you not save it? Did you cry to Our Lady, Mary, never was it known that anyone appealed to you and was not heard. Did you bring that person to the foot of the cross, and with the reverential familiarity that God so loves that we may say it is irresistible with him, placing that dying creature in his sight, in the sight of Jesus crucified, speak to him and ask him, Why should this soul not be saved? Too well you know in your heart, that the answer would be that he had not come to Jesus that he might be saved. He had not come to receive upon his soul the precious blood which would have cleansed it from the sin which will keep it from God's sight forever, unless it be washed away. Did you, growing bolder, notwithstanding the seeming rejection of your prayer, urge with our Lord that this soul did not come, but that you have brought it, Did you, as you have watched the great drops trickling from the wounds of Jesus, exclaim more boldly still, The very inanimate earth, O Lord, receives thy precious blood. Shall not this living, immortal soul receive one drop? God will love you if you exercise such charity. But have you done it? Have you heard of sudden illness, of people stricken suddenly in the midst of a well-known sinful life, They are unconscious, you are told, and will probably die without recovering the use of reason, and you have heard the news carelessly and without a thought how, for eternity, God will be deprived of the glory that soul might give him in heaven, how the passion of our Lord will have been of no avail for it, except to mitigate in some degree the severity of the fearful pain that soul will eternally endure if it dies in that state of sin if it dies without the return of that reason which it is necessary it should have in order to acknowledge ere it die its God and beg his forgiveness for those unforgiven sins that now defile it. You not only have not prayed, but a single Hail Mary has not even passed your lips. So little concern has it been to you that one of your fellow creatures has such need of your charity that the last of his time has come that the last chance is about to pass away for that dying man for whom Christ died. At all hours, souls are dying and in need of our assistance. We are employed in various ways and reckon not of what is going on around us. I make a short extract from Father Faber's Mary at the Foot of the Cross. Who could live if he realized what hell is and that every moment immortal souls are entering there upon their eternity of most shocking and repulsive punishment. We smell a sweet flower, and just then a soul has been condemned. We watch with trembling love the elevation of the host and chalice, and meanwhile the gates of that fiery dungeon have closed on many souls. What agony would this be if our minds were equal to it? or coextensive with its reality. Nay, if we realized it, as sometimes for a moment we do realize it, we could not survive many hours, even if we did not die upon the spot. To think of this will not cause you to be melancholy and sad. That would be contrary to God's will. Exercising charity to others brings Jesus nearer to us, and the presence of Jesus makes us happy. Charity brings joy and peace along with it. Charity is the first fruit of the Holy Ghost. The others follow in its train. You must think of these things to enkindle in your heart a burning desire to save the souls that are in such imminent danger. You are not required to alter your special devotion in order to do so. Wherever God's Spirit leads you is best the attraction that leads you to one mystery of our Lord's life more than to another, you have no doubt found increases your love of Him and strengthens your soul. Therefore, as a tree is known by its fruits, you may safely conclude that you are led by His Spirit. And though the passion of Jesus is most especially applicable to the devotion which I advocate here, this devotion of intercession for the dying is nonetheless after God's own heart, and therefore... Let us, in all our prayers and meditations, refer them to this work of mercy. You may love to be at Bethlehem. You have found the child with Mary his mother, and you remain. Jesus with Mary. It is sufficient for you. But are your thoughts, as you look upon that divine infant, wholly occupied with the joy and happiness that radiate from that countenance, and that radiate from her eyes, in which are reflected peace and happiness as she looks upon her child and her God. Is Calvary forgotten by Jesus? Is it unknown to Mary? It was ever before the eyes of our Lord. I have a baptism wherewith I must be baptized, and how I am straitened until it be accomplished. Those are the words of our Lord. And Mary... Can we think that she knew not the prophecies that spoke so plainly of the Messiah? They have dug my hands and my feet. They have numbered all my bones. Had Mary never read that? Oh, yes, surely. She knew that the tiny hands that Joseph loves, which, as she holds them out to him, he kisses with reverence, will one day be pierced with cruel nails, And that crushing those tender feet, there will be driven into them another nail, thus fastening them in a position of exceeding pain and anguish, which she, his mother, must watch but not alleviate. She knows that that delicate form, molded so beautifully, she knows full well that that infant flesh will one day be scarred and seamed until there will be no sightliness in him, that we should desire him. If Mary, sinless Mary, did not forget this, as she looked upon him, upon whom angels long to look, should we, sinful creatures that we are, forget it, as we too look upon the babe of Bethlehem? Oh no, we should bring it to our minds. We should look upon this divine child, son of God and son of Mary, as he is resting now peacefully within the arms of Mary, pressed close to her breast, but hereafter to be pressed close to the cross, fastened to its hard wood by rude nails. And we should think of this and bring to our minds the blood that will come from those hands, those feet, and that side. Even from the eyes will come drops of that life-giving stream, forced out by the cruel thorns that surround his brow. Those eyes, so beautiful, that speak their love for the human race, will be glazed and dimmed by his agony on the cross. He will be esteemed as a leper, as one struck by God. We should remember these things as we look at the babe of Bethlehem and recollect why these things are so. Why will that divine infant be hereafter known as the man of sorrows? Ask yourself that question. For my sins, your conscience cries. It is true. He was wounded for our iniquities. He was bruised for our sins. This has been taken from Devotion for the Dying. Mary's Call to Her Loving Children by Venerable Mother Mary Potter. This work is published by Tan Books. For more information, call 1-800-437-5876 or find them on the web at www.tanbooks.com. This work is in the public domain.